I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me this episode is my pal, Michael Cronenberg. Hi, Michael. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. This is the third show of mine that you have appeared on. You've been on Film and Water, and you've been on Treasury Cast, so congratulations on the hat trick. That's that's great. Am I? Am I how many people have accomplished the uh, crossover thing not many there have been some that are part of like uh, there are the like there's chris franklin and the guys that are like actually members of our network but in terms of guests not many so uh, like I i'm said, honored yes I, I i hate to use a hockey term of course when we're talking about boxing but you know it's, well, it's all i can do uh so um the song we're here to talk about is an obs- pretty obscure song in the dylan canon it's called who killed Davey Moore. It's a song written in 1963, only ever performed live, never appeared on an album. We'll get into the history of it uh, in a moment. But Michael, as I ask all my guests when they come on for the first time, like, Howard, how did you come to be a fan of the music? I probably need to um, give my brother, uh, my oldest brother, not my oldest brother, my older brother, um, uh, credit for that. Uh, we shared a room and uh, in the end, I, he's, he's nine years older than me. I had to listen to whatever he played. <laughs> and he had great taste in music, I have to say. And he loved Bob Dylan. So um, I heard all of Dylan's you know, uh, catalog starting from like 1970. But I really picked up on Dylan uh, with Desire. And that was probably because of uh, Hurricane. Right, and right, right. My interest in boxing goes way back because my father was a boxer, a professional boxer at one time, one time. So he made me, you know, very, he gave me that passion for boxing. So I was definitely um, hooked to Hurricane and then the album Desire, too. And then after that, I was I was buying every every Dylan album after that. Wow. OK, that's interesting. So, I mean, so your your love of boxing predates uh, the the the. The Dylanness of it. I mean, because at a certain point, you started to like it on your own, apart from just listening to it from your yes. brother. Okay. Yes. Very right, cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I said you are the biggest boxing fan I know, and I thought it was oh, since we already covered Hurricane on the show. I thought it would be perfect for you to talk about this song, "Who Killed Davy Moore," which I mentioned. Uh, this song comes from uh, real life, in that in March 1963, uh, the boxy boxer Davy Moore was knocked out by Sugar Ramos. Uh, he went into unconsciousness, never recovered, and died two days later. And then on April 12th of that same year, in New York, New York, at a town hall concert, Bob Dylan debuted the song Who Killed Davy Moore, which uh, reflects, uh, sort of takes a, the position of uh, every single person involved in the fight and asks, who killed Davy Moore? Who is essentially responsible for the death of Davy Moore? And he opens up with, who killed Davy Moore? Why and what's the reason for not I, says the referee. Don't point your finger at me. I could have stopped it in the eighth and maybe kept him from his fate. But the crowd would have booed, I'm sure, for not getting their money's worth. It's too bad he had to go, but there was pressure on me too, you know. It wasn't me that made him fall. You can't blame me at all. Who killed Davy Moore and why? What's the reason for? And then the song continues in t- considering the point of, view, point of view of the crowd, the manager, the gambling man, 
the boxing writer. And then finally it ends with, uh, it says, not me, says the man whose fists laid him low in a cloud of mist, who came here from Cuba's door where boxing ain't allowed no more. I hit him, I hit him, yes it's true, but that's what I am paid to do. Don't say murder, don't say kill, it was destiny, it was God's will. Who killed Davy Moore? Why? And what's the reason for? So, Michael, like, what is you? You I've, obviously you have some knowledge of this fight. Like, what can you tell us about the the fight in particular? Uh, well, Davy Moore was the featherweight champion at that time. He had held the title for about four years, um, and he uh, Sugar Ramos was twenty one years old. He had just come. And he was an expatriate from Cuba, uh, fleeing Castro's Cuba. Um, he was actually trained in that fight, and he was trained by Angelo Dundee, who was uh, Muhammad Ali's trainer. Um, but just to go back before I forget, one thing that Dylan mentions in his in the lyrics, and he says uh, something about he talked about Cuba. He says uh, about Sugar Ramos um, laid him low in a in a cloud of mist, who came here from Cuba's door where boxing ain't allowed no more. That was not true. Uh, <laughs> oh, the Bob. Reason, the, the reason the re- Cuba, Cuba was big on boxing, has always been big on boxing. Uh, Fidel Castro loved boxing. thing is, is that he's, he, he didn't allow boxers to be paid anymore. Boxing became, like every sport in Cuba under a, com- under a communist country, was amateurs. Nobody got paid. And the reason Sugar Ramos and a lot of fighters uh, uh, Cuban fighters left right around the time that, that Castro took, took over and other athletes, soccer players also fled was because they were professionals. And they wanted to continue to be paid. Um, so they got out when the getting was good. So, um, so yeah, so that's not really true. And, and when I, and in the, in the, the version of the song that I heard, which is the live version, I'm assuming is the basement tapes version or like a boot, the bootleg, the bootleg right? series. It debuted. It was yes. never released anywhere until the bootleg mm. series volume one in 1991. Right. And you hear the crowd cheer when he On says the Cuba that, line, bo- yeah. right, that boxing is, isn't allowed no more. And it, and it, and it just wasn't true because boxing has, like I said, boxing has always been, one of the top sports in Cuba, I would say. The number one sport is baseball. Uh, and this, this started when Castro first took power. Baseball and then, I would say, boxing and then soccer after that. Um, as far as the fight went, it was a, it's a great fight. I mean, from, from a fight fan's point of view, it's a fantastic fight. Uh, it goes back and forth. Uh, there are periods where more hurts uh, Sugar Ramos. Um, but... By the probably eighth round, Sugar Ramos started to take over with his jab. He was a really proficient boxer. Both of them were. Uh, and in the ninth round, uh, he Sugar Ramos hurts uh, Davy Moore. He almost knocks him down. Um, and then in the tenth, he um, he knocked down Davy Moore. Um, Davy Moore's head hits the. There are three ropes, and they're made of like kind of like a cable like steel cable which are wrapped and he hit he hits with with quite a bit of force as he's going down the back of his head hits the last the last cable the third cable uh the third third rope on the ring and um but he get he gets up at the count of like three or four he takes a standing eight count um he is then knocked knocked down and almost through the ropes uh later in the round the round ended, and that's when his manager stopped it. 
or his trainer actually stops it. His trainer stopped the fight, um, didn't want it to go on anymore. And in the 10th round, it was going to go 15 rounds. In the 10th round, it's a technical knockout. And Sugar Ramos then becomes featherweight champion. Davey Moore is then interviewed in the ring. This was broadcast live on television. Wow. Um, this was a um, fight that was uh, the first fight and the last fight ever at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Hmm. And um, it was a part of – it was the first time this ever happened. There were three championship fights that night. This was the second championship fight of the night. And the announcer who announced the fight went into the ring. He interviews Sugar Ramos afterwards, and then he interviewed Davey Moore. And Davey Moore talks to him and says it wasn't his night. You know, it wasn't – you know, he congratulated Sugar Ramos. In fact, there was such sportsmanship between the two of them. And you, this is something you see often in boxing. Um, after every round, the two of them embrace or pat each other on the back or pat each other on the head. Um, it's just this mutual respect that the two of them have. Um, it's something that you see a lot in boxing, even at the end of a end of a fight, two guys, you know, beating the hell out of each other, and at the end they're hugging each other, and there's this mutual respect after going through this hard-fought, you know, battle. But Davy Moore appeared okay. Um, he then went into his dressing room uh, and he spoke to the sports writers. He spoke to his manager um, and he said it wasn't his night. He wants to re- and that he wanted a rematch. He really wanted a rematch and that he was very disappointed he lost the title because he had had it for four years. And then after everybody left the, the, the dressing room, um, he complained that the back of his head started really hurting. He was in like really terrible pain. And his trainer called for a doctor, and he collapsed into a coma. And he died, I think, two, three days later. Um, And the way after the autopsy and doctors viewing the the tapes, it was determined that him hitting that rope the way he did with such force, it was like a one in a million thing. The, wow. the, the, the way he hit it, it was just one of those things. The way he hit it and the place he hit it on his head. Uh, the California Commission and boxing in general ended up changing a few things. They ended up um, padding the ring ropes. Um, they added a fourth ring rope, and the f- bottom ring rope was loosened. Um, so it was much looser, so it wasn't this taut cable okay. to try, try to prevent this type of thing from happening again. Wow. Hmm. Uh, what do you th- – I mean, like, okay, the song itself uh, I think is incredibly well written. Uh, I mean, in terms of the, the perspective, the way it consults every version uh, – every, every version, every every perspective of, you know, the different people that are watching it. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's even a laugh line in it when he talks about uh, – where he says, not me, says the gambling man with his ticket stub still in his hand. It wasn't me that knocked him down. My hands never touched him none. I didn't commit no ugly sin. Anyway, I put money on him to win. It wasn't me that made him fall. You can't blame me at all. And you even hear in the crowd that gets a laugh. Right. Uh, which is like Dylan's very sort of dark humor uh, surfacing. What do you think of it as a song, separate from whether it's fair to oh. boxing? What do you think of it as a song? Oh, I think it's a great song. And I think what, what I like is the fact that it's like kind of this rhetorical question is mm-hmm. what it really is. Because there really isn't an answer of who killed Davy Moore. And if, like so many of Dylan's songs, it's open to interpretation. He's leaving it open to you to interpretation. That's kind of what great art is about. You know, it's like it's your interpretation of what it is. 
um, I think it's, you know, I think it's a fantastic song. Um, I, I do think that in some ways, and I, I just, in my reading about him and how he felt about the song and about boxing, I had read that he was kind of, um, distancing himself from this song. Um, and I had read and wondered if there was a folk singer, um, named Gil Turner who wrote a song about Benny Paré, Benny Kid Paré, who also died live on television from a terrible beating. Unlike Davy Moore, who died from this really freak accident in the ring, Benny Paré was fighting Emil Griffith on a title fight on live television. It was almost a year before. It was 1962. And um, he died from severe beating. Um, And what happened was that he had said a derogatory thing about the fighter, Emil Griffith. He said a derogatory thing about him being gay. And this guy took, he ended up taking a horrible beating in the ring and he died um, a couple of days later. And Gil Turner wrote a song about it. And it was not long after Turner's song came out that Dylan ended up writing the Davy Moore song. Mm. Um, but still, I, I think to me, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot of problems with boxing. As always, has been. It's the as I've like to refer to it. It's the noir of sports. It's a very <laughs> dark. It's very dark. There's a lot. Of, a lot about it that's crooked. But there's a lot about it that's beautiful. Um, as so many artists are attracted to it, writers and painters and you know songwriters. Um, I think the greatest athlete who ever lived on this earth is, was the, was a boxer. Oh uh, yeah, I know you. I know you. You 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 love Muhammad Ali. And yes, you know <laughs> the greatest you know, athlete yeah. to ever walk God's green earth was was a boxer. So no, I no, I I would agree there. But you know, there has been you know organized crime, sure, and particularly at that time too. Um, was 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 very bad. Its influences, which is which is kind of disappeared. But that's what I love about Dylan's song is is that um, he talks about all of these things. He gets all of that in there. And it's all this rhetorical thing. It's for you to think about. You know, you hear this song. It's for you to think about, like, why does something like this happen? Um, he is not laying the blame at anybody's feet in particular because there really isn't anybody to blame for something like this. Or maybe it's up to you to think about who you think is to blame for something like this. But I do know that he had he, – he stopped performing this song. Yeah, and he was, and he did say. Apparently, he said to someone, "This is a song about a boxer. It's got nothing to do with boxing. It's just a song about a boxer, really. And uh, it's, it's not even having to do with a boxer, really. It's got nothing to do with nothing. But I fit these words together. That's all. Which is, which is not unlike other Bob Dylan quotes when he talks about it, his songwriting. Well, um, yeah. Well, that's that's one of the things that's just interesting is that I mean, this was only performed live eight times. Uh, it, it was last performed live on Halloween night, on nineteen sixty four. So it was in the repertoire sparingly for for a year and a half, which is a little surprising. I'm I didn't think it would have lasted that long. I don't think it was ever under any serious consideration to make it on an album. Uh, it uh-huh. might have fit on times they were a change in because that was a lot of as by by Dylan's own admission, a lot of finger pointing songs. Right. Um, I could see this sitting alongside the lonesome death of Hattie Carroll and, and some of the other mm-hmm. songs, maybe. And he gets some things factually wrong in that song too. So this would maybe would have fit perfectly well there. Um, but but 
one of the things I was curious about is that, and we'll get into this shortly, is that Bob Dylan has always been a fan of boxing. And this song seems to be written by somebody who has a pretty low regard for boxing. And I wonder, is this, in this for this song, Bob Dylan kind of putting on a role that he himself isn't believing in? I mean, he famously said once, and I think part of it as a defense mechanism, he was asked once why he wrote The Times They Are a change in. And he said something like, well, I think it's because that's what people want to hear, which, mm-hmm. you know, cast that song in a very dark light of like, well, I don't really believe in this. I'm just kind of giving these these liberals what they want to hear and it's give, making me a hit record. And, you know, you can argue that Bob might have just felt a little uncomfortable about being the voice of his generation, as people like to call him. And so he wanted to distance himself a little and just, you know, and tried to think of what's the most insulting thing I can say. Oh, well, I just wrote it as a thing just to kind of appeal to you people. And, you know, you're dumb enough to fall for it. But it's, I don't, you know, you hear the guy singing this song and you're like, boy, he really doesn't like boxing. He really thinks boxing's pretty corrupt. But obviously that isn't the case because Dylan has loved boxing his whole life. Right. And that's why I, I go back to the, um, to the quote. The quote that I gave you was actually the quote was the night he performed it in 64 on Halloween. Right. Um, and the other thing that I was talking about with, uh, with Gil Turner, because it's like I was wondering, it's like, first of all, Dylan's interest in boxing goes back to his teens. That's when he started sparring and boxing at first. It was, for, it was a part of the curriculum at his high school. And it was, that w- was the case in the 50s in a, in, in a number of schools. But he loved it, and he watched boxing, and he had an interest in boxing um, going all the way back to his, to his childhood. Um, and boxing was really big. I mean, it's a niche sport now. But um, back then, you know, heavyweight champion of the world, um, and going through the seventies and into maybe the eighties, um, being the heavyweight champion of the world was like, you were the greatest athlete considered the best, best athlete. You were the baddest man on the planet. Right. Um, is there a Superman, is there a Superman versus Joe Namath comic? No, there isn't. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so I, so I, I kind of wondered in my mind if, he wrote this song thinking, okay, Gil Turner writes this song about Benny Paré. Benny Paré was died tragically on television. At the time when Benny Paré died, there was a big uproar to ban boxing. I mean, left and right, politicians coming in, um, mainly politicians coming in, saying we need to ban boxing. It's brutal. It's horrible. And then the Vatican stepping in and saying how hard – of all places, the Vatican, you know, and the and the Pope saying, you know, how horrible boxing is, and it needs to be it needs to be banned. Well, the exact same thing happened when Davy Moore died. Um, when Davy Moore died, um, you know, the the governor of California at that time was vehement about boxing being banned permanently and how brutal it is. And then Kefauver, Senator Kefauver, famous of comic books. Um, trying to, uh, you know, lambast comic books also. Yeah, not a fan of comic books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also came in and he was looking to, maybe not ban boxing, but he was looking to regulate it. Um, and uh, and again, the Vatican came in again saying that, you know, the mob-type violence of boxing. I don't know what the fuck it was talking, what they're talking about, but the, but the Vatican was very vocal after Davy Moore died that boxing should be banned. It's a terrible, it's a terrible thing. Um, so I kind of wondered, did Dylan 
it was similar. Gil Turner does, who is, who is also a folk singer. Was he a rival of Dylan's? I don't know. I mean, I know he was a contemporary of Dylan's, and it was somebody Dylan listened to. He wrote the song about Benny Paré, and then, you know, did Dylan say, you know, well, I'm going to write a song, you know. Like, I knew, I saw this fight. I'm sure, he, I bet he watched the fight. I mean, it was broadcast live on television. Um and decided I'm going to write a, I'm going to write about this after after what happened to Davey Moore. I, I just kind of wondered that after I read the, after I read his comments um, when he when he sang it the last time and after um, I read about his contemporary writing a song about Benny Paré, which was a similar situation. Yeah, Dylan. Dylan talks sorry, about yeah, Dylan talks about boxing in his autobiography in Chronicles. He talks about I mean that's in, in a in a thin book where there is so much material to cover. He chooses to spend at least a portion of it talking about boxing and meeting boxers. So obviously, yes, he's been a fan his whole life. Right, right. And he also gave his apparently he gave a, an interview with Rolling Stone in two thousand nine, and he talked about he talked a, a little bit about his gym, and he talked a, a lot about boxing and 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 how big. How, how much he loves it and and, and uh, how important it is for him to keep in shape and to um, I think you know artists let's look at it as it's almost like uh, jazz you know the way the two fighters fight each other their styles the way their styles work off of each other and um, how you have to adapt as a boxer in the ring I mean you're you're you can have a plan going into a fight, but you have to adapt to your opponent. And the idea is not to be hit, is to hit somebody, but not to be hit. Um, there's a lot of factors going into it. It's um, it's it's about defense. It's about movement. It's about um, rhythm. I mean, it's why it's why all fighters skip rope. It's about rhythm. Um, it's about so many different things. Um, and I think that's one, a lot of the things that fascinate. Um, Bob Dylan um, and any boxing fan. I think once you get it, you're into it, it, it it's kind of hard to get it out of your blood. You love it. I have always wondered how Bob manages to stay so thin, considering he must be eating a lot of road food, which is not good for you. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, I'm glad you mentioned the gym because you sent me some, some articles uh, related to Dylan and boxing. And some of the stuff I knew in that he has trained with uh, Boom Boom Mancini. And there's a photo of him with the boxing gloves on, standing there with Boom Boom, which is amazing. I mean, and he's, they talked about how he sparred with uh, Gina Gershon, of all people. Mm-hmm. And at one point, she actually clocked him right in the jaw, which is, yep. she's like, oh my God, I just broke Bob Dylan's jaw, which is, I mean, good Lord, I wish there was a photo of <laughs> Bob Dylan well, and Well, and, and he also, it said he also sparred with, well, Sean, I know Sean Penn and Will Smith sparred at his, at his gym, and, but he actually sparred with... Quentin Tarantino, Dylan. Can you imagine? How, how, how great would that be? <laughs> I cannot imagine such a thing. I just can't picture it. And there's this great quote where apparently during one training session, I think it was Boom Boom Mancini really clocked him one. And, and uh, he, you know, the guy, Boom Boom Mancini, was almost like, oh, my God, did I, did I hit you too hard? And he goes, no, 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 I still have some songs left in here, so yeah, I'm fine. Which yeah, is, yeah. It's, what an amazing quote, uh, you know, to, to, to do that. But you mentioned, one of the articles that you sent me mentioned something that I did not know, is that Bob Dylan runs a secret boxing gym, which yep. is, like, amazing. It's such a Bob dylan thing. Why don't you explain that to people, what that is? 
he um he has his own fight club it's like his, you know you know no one talks about it no one can say you know i someone was able to find figure out where it was and it was like located as a part i guess it's his agent um i and i guess it's through dylan owns this kind of uh, this block in santa monica where there's a coffee shop and behind the coffee shop <laughs> through a secret door is a gym and it's bob dylan's boxing gym and apparently from what mancini said in a number of <clears throat> amateurs who trained there and it's not it's not like just dylan going to this gym it's um there are fighters actually fighters you know up and coming fighters who will train there what they say it's one of the best gyms in all of california <laughs> Bob Dylan owning a secret gym that you can only access through a secret door is one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, it's, I love it. I love it. It just, it just, it's everything I enjoy. You know, it's like it's like a secret club. I mean, talk about film noir for Pete's sakes. You know, which is so I, we could get into later, which is something that that Dylan loves. You know, yes, Dylan's right. a big you know, film the, noir the, fan. Loves, I mean, I almost feel like if you walk into this gym, like the the room is black and white somehow. It's just yeah, it's, right. all the color just drains away. It's absolutely amazing that he does. I mean, yes, yeah, through his manager, Jeff Rosen. And one of the articles you sent me, there's a quote from Jeff Rosen where somebody was trying to kind of ferret out where this thing is. And Rosen's response was, don't you have anything better to talk about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in t- it's total plausible deniability <laughs> now about it. It's just fantastic. So, yeah, Dylan is a, a big fan of the sport. And oh, absolutely. Training, and so. one thing I, I, I should point out is, is that, in my opinion, the greatest – the greatest sporting event that ever took place wow. was um, the fight of the century when Ali was when his exile ended, and when he fought Joe Frazier okay. in 1971 at Madison Square Garden, which is considered the mecca of boxing. And um, that is like every entertain every important person in 1971 had to be at this fight, and it was the first time ever to undefeated heavyweight champions were going to meet in the ring and um, because Ali had had his title stripped away from him because he had refused to be inducted into the Vietnam War um, and Joe Frazier had won through um, uh, fighting all the top contenders and was awarded Ali's title and he had it and he had it and for that period at that moment he had it legitimately he had a legitimate claim on the title and he had the title it was the heavyweight title was joe frazier's but ali was undefeated and he was coming in he was really considered heavyweight champion by others and the fight first of all lives up to everything i mean it's it rarely does something that's so hyped and this this fight was hyped to unbelievable heights it was also represented to a lot of people it represented um political things going on too because of because of Ali where Joe Frazier was completely apolitical I mean people of people who associated Joe Frazier with representing the white community or representing Nixon or something like that was completely unfair because Joe Frazier came up poor poorer than Muhammad Ali had a tougher life than Muhammad Ali ever had and um as far as his upbringing he, he was he came from poor sharecroppers and um you know he he deserved to be where he was he fought hard he was a great fighter but anyways that's besides the point bob dylan got a ticket to that fight 
he made sure he got a ticket to that fight, and he's there. There are photos of him at that fight. Frank Sinatra couldn't get a ticket to that fight. <laughs> and Frank Sinatra ended up having to go to uh, Life magazine and say, I really want a ringside seat to this fight. I can't get a ticket. Um, I'll be willing to take photographs of the fight for you if you make me a part of the press. And that's how he got into the fight. Wow. I never, that's amazing. I've never heard the, of that. And he did cover it, actually. The, the cover of Life magazine for that fight was, was, was the photo was taken by Frank Sinatra. Wow, that is that is amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, 1971, Bob Dylan was about as hip as it gets, even though he was slightly in kind of self-imposed exile at that point. So, But I can right, imagine right. that if, if Bob Dylan wanted to be somewhere, he was going to get a ticket, no matter what it was, because, you know, he was Bob Dylan. So, And there's a photo of him with Muhammad Ali from the mid-'70s. I mean, which is just, again, it's, it's one of those amazing things where you see people of that fame, uh, you know, fame of two different stripes, but nevertheless, like, world fame at, at a level almost unmatched, and there they are in the same room together. Like, what was that? Right, well, that, that, was part of, that was part of the Hurricane Carter Benefit concert. Right, um, right, right. And uh, I should say that my brother, who introduced me to Bob Dylan, was at that show. Really? Um, yes. And um, so, I mean, that was a, a, a monumental thing, and that was a great thing. And... Um, I totally agree with you. Here are these two icons um, together uh, for a really important thing. I really wish I could have gone to something like that. I was way too young, but yeah. uh, I, I would have loved to have been at something like that. Well, let me ask you this: is, your, is there a is there a bootleg or is there a recording of that concert? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. There are. Well, there's there's um, there is a one of the bootleg series. Uh, has uh, concerts from the Rolling Thunder Review, of which that was part. I don't know if it necessarily pulls anything from that specific show. Um, and there well, was I know a... Hard Rain. I know Hard Rain right. is the live version yeah. of the Rolling Thunder Review, but yes. that, but I, I was wondering if there was a specific like recording where they did of the Hurricane Carter benefit, where they had the people who who were speaking because Ali spoke at that at during that. Also. I know there are bootlegs of the concert. I have never heard any complete bootleg where you hear the people speak and everything like that. I don't, that I've never heard of that. You haven't discovered that yet, but I'm sure it's out there uh, because there's virtually bootlegs of every damn concert Bob Tone's ever done uh, that in existence. So I'm sure it's, it's out there somewhere, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's an interesting little uh, asterisk in Dylan's career. It's certainly not a song he's ever going to return to. I mean, it's just, he wrote, I mean, this was a period where he was boasting that he wrote five songs before breakfast so, wow. and, and this was, you know, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, this is sort of social media before that was a thing where mm-hmm. he's giving people the scoop as to what's going on. Uh, you know, maybe people hadn't heard about uh, Davey Moore. They only knew about it a little bit. And here he is with this song a couple of days later and explaining what it's all about. But it's, it's something he put, to, put back in his past. And again, he would talk about boxing and hurricane. And he mentions Muhammad Ali in another one of his songs, I Shall Be right. Free. So he comes up there. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's always been something in his life. But I mean, man, I, I sometime have got to go. I know I'm never going to get into the Bob Dylan gym, but I want to go to the coffee shop at the very yeah, least and like so find, find the door and just stand there and be pointing <laughs> to it or something. I mean, I don't know. Maybe uh, yeah, no, but I think it's away. great that you that you wanted to talk about this song because um, at some point I had read that Sports Illustrated had had listed as the best as the greatest song about sports ever written um i don't really i can't i just read that i don't 
I don't know if when that was that Sports Illustrated declared that, but what was great for me that you asked me to do this was I got the chance to really sit and watch the fight um, because it is on YouTube. <clears throat> the entire broadcast is on YouTube um, from the pre-fight from when the fighters walk into the ring all the way through to Davey Moore being interviewed at the end of the fight. Um, and it's a kinescope. Um, so it was really great to watch that um, and to see, damn, that was a damn good fight. It was a one hell of a fight between the two of them. Uh, and then to read all up about it and, and, and because David Moore is kind of, and so is Sugar Ramos, so kind of maybe forgotten that those these were two really good fighters of their time. And I, David Moore had the title. I mean, he held the title for four years, for featherweight title for four years. It's pretty damn good. It's interesting, now that you mention it, it I, I, I just realized that in this song, other than Davey Moore, Dylan doesn't actually mention anyone else. He doesn't mention right. Sugar Ramos. He just mentions yeah, he the man who laid him low, which is, I think, sort of fair to Sugar Ramos. It sort of takes the blame off of the specific man and makes it more universal, which I think is right, which goes more. back to what I was saying, which is like it's, it's like it's kind of Dylan's rhetorical question. Right. It's like who killed him? Is it? Is there a reason? Is who? Is there? Did some, is there someone to blame? And is there a reason for for why he died? Um, and that's that's really a a valid thing. Is that he doesn't name anybody but Davey Moore. You can spark a lot more conversation by asking a question than making a statement. You know, I mean, Dylan right. blown in the wind. And how many roads must a man walk down? Or like a Rolling Stone, how does it feel? So much of it is asking a question and then inviting the listener to fill in the answer for themselves. And so this, right. this song does that in a much more minor key, but nevertheless, it's, it's a similar approach. Well, you know, Phil Oakes wrote a song about Davey Moore also. That's right. I read that too. Yes. And, and, and his, his song is much more, is much different from Dylan's. It's in my opinion, it's not as good. Um, but it's, it's much more direct and right. it's, 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 it's condemning boxing. It's condemning, everything about boxing and blaming boxing for the death of, of Davey Moore. Uh, one other interesting thing about, about the song is that um, Dylan mentions it, it was God's will. And actually Davey Moore's wife said that to Sugar Ramos mm. when she, he came to apologize to her and say how sorry he was. And she says, you're not to blame. I don't blame you. I don't, she said, this was God's will. That's so I don't know if Dylan got that from, from, from from her quote or, 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 or what, but that was from the, um, I think it was the sports illustrated article that I read from, from the fight right up, right after the fight, a week after the fight. That's an amazingly humane thing to say to him to, to sort of yes. absolve him of whatever guilt he might've mm -hmm. been feeling. Wow. Oh yeah. It's amazing. So yeah, it's uh, who killed Davey Moore. It's, it's again, I never even heard of the song until the bootleg series came out and they released it. And I'm glad they did. Cause I, I really do like it. It's really one of Dylan's, you know, again, it's a minor song, but it's incredibly well written, and uh, it's, at, it's at a period where he was just on fire, and he could sort of reel off these things at will. So uh, it's it's a really interesting song, and it is available on iTunes. If you ever want to hear it, you can go to iTunes and download it. It's, again, it's on the Bootleg Series Volume One, and it was also on um, the Bootleg Series Volume Six, Bob Dylan Live, nineteen sixty four. And so there's two different versions that you can find available. So, well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on, man. I always enjoy talking to you. We've talked about boxing now across two different shows because we did the setup over on Film and Waters, and now we've done right. boxing here on, on Pod Dylan. So where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, well, um, I 
started up a boxing magazine, um, a digital e-magazine called Ringside Seat, uh, and its website is ringsideseatmag.com. Um, and I am on Twitter um, at M.W. Cronenberg, K-R-O-N-E-N-B-E-R-G. Um, so, yeah, if anybody has an interest in boxing, um, they should go ahead and check out our, uh, our website. Um, we have some of the best writers, uh, who have ever written for boxing, uh, writing about this. And, uh, maybe we'll write something about, uh, Davey Moore. This would fit right in with the kind of thing that we cover, which is we cover a lot of art. We've, co- we've covered, uh, books about boxing, uh, movies, boxing movies, um, uh, boxing and literature, uh, we are kind of subtitle for our, our magazine is the art of the sweet science. So, uh, so for, for a lot of the reasons, a lot of the things that Dylan likes, likes boxing so much. So do we, you got to find a way to get it to his office. Cause I bet he'd like it. I tell you what, I really, I've, I've said that the ultimate thing is I, I want, I want us to be able to interview him. And, oh my. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, the guy, one of the one of the people who's one of our main writers for for the for the magazine, Nigel Collins, who's uh, um, the editor for the Ring magazine for many years, um, was at the Donnie Lalonde fight, um, which you probably read about in the articles that I sent in the articles that I sent you. Um, but the Donnie Lalonde Sugar Ray Rock, Sugar Ray Leonard fight, which happened in 1989, I believe. Uh, Nigel was covering that fight for, for the ring and he had a, a number of his reporters there. And of course, who is, who is there, but Bob Dylan. And one of his reporters came over to us and said, I'm going to try to interview Dylan. I'm going to interview Dylan. I'm going to go interview him. And of course, Bob Dylan had wanted nothing to do with it. Um, but you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to try and see if we can do something. It would be great. If you ever mentioned pull that off, uh, just remember where I am. That's all, that's <laughs> yeah. all that I am. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on. I really always enjoy talking to you. Uh, you're just a terrific, terrific guy, very talented graphic designer and terrific guy to talk to. And I, I appreciate you uh, coming on Pod Dylan. This has just been great. So Thanks, um, thanks Rob. I right. appreciate well, it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, you can find back episodes of our show on the network site, which is firewaterpodcast.com. And uh, we're talking about Bob Dylan all the time over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And until the next episode, we will see you later. Bye. Not me, said the boxing writer who pounds the print in his old typewriter, saying boxing is here to stay. There's just as much foot danger in a football game, saying fist fighting is here to stay. It's just the old American way. It wasn't me that made him fall. You can't blame me at all. Who killed Davy Moore? Why and what's the reason for? Not me, said the man whose fists laid him low in a cloud of mist Who came here from Cuba's door where boxing ain't allowed no more I hit him, I hit him, yes it's true, but that's what I'm paid to do Don't say murder, don't say kill, it was destiny, it was God's will Who killed Davy Moore, why, and what's the reason for?